We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2 Wrap Up Party. Woo! Another season in the books. Woo-hoo. It sure was. Did you, ever, <laughs> did you ever think we'd get this far? Yeah. I believed in us too. I, I, I was I was very confident with seasons one and two. I mean, there were a couple times that I almost quit the podcast, so it was actually touch and go for me there. That's true. <laughs> that is true. That's okay. I think I'm going to have a few of those moments in season three. I <laughs> I have a funny feeling I'm going to be having like, you know, deep breathing episodes. <laughs> You're just going to be hearing me like doing grounding exercises. <laughs> well, that'll be fun to edit. Yeah. <laughs> start a blooper reel of just me going okay <laughs> we do this <laughs> oh boy oh boy <laughs> okay we have a lot of good before we get there yeah we do have a lot of good before we get there mm-hmm. i think we should uh, just jump right into this and start with the questions well not the, right. not the ask us anything questions the general questions. the general questions the wrap-up part yeah so what i want to know is what worked for you all this season and what didn't like, what would you have changed plot wise? Overall, the first half of this season worked for me up until the writers killed Cora. I will talk more about this in the next question. So I'll move on to add of what did not work. Everything Bergbliss, <laughs> that's now the name that I have given them Bergbliss. Oh, Goldberg and Chambliss. That's Chambliss and Goldberg. <laughs> Berg, everything that Bergbliss wrote was a struggle to chew and swallow. Like, it's just tough boiled meat. It's just like, you know, every time the characters were in their hands, especially gray characters like Rumpelstiltskin, they fumble and fuck them up. Like I always urge critics of certain characters to really examine who is writing them and see if there are patterns. Bad canon happens to good characters because of writers and sometimes directors. The actors are usually just making the most out of what has been given to them. Anyway, that got me on a tangent. Plot-wise, I'd have kept the characters more consistent. Well, I think, wouldn't we all? I still would change Regina's paternity, and Cora would have been the big bad through the end of season two and kept her heart in and actually had to deal with the consequences of everything she had done. I'd have Rumpelstiltskin actually trying to have a relationship with a hesitant balefire and put in the work while Belle figures out who she is in this new world. Greg and Tamara can be baddies in season three. I'd have Emma coming more to grips with her new reality, like, you know, like, oh my God, you're my parents, but you're like my age, you know, like, hmm, I don't know what to do with this. While Charming and Snow try to balance their roles as both royals and David and Mary Margaret. Like, does Snow still want to teach? You know, like, you know, kind of grappling like that kind of stuff, like more identity, like more of what they touched on in We Are Both because it's such a fucking excellent episode. And I really would have liked to have seen that struggle with, you know, people like Archie and Ruby and, you know, like the rest of the characters that they established in season one as, you know, being like a main supporting ensemble cast. Plus, I mean, hello, Grumpy and Astrid. What the fuck? Like the only time we ever see them again together is through the um, Good Morning Storybrook little bonus video that they released between seasons one and two, like right after the curse was broken. And they have like this very like awkward exchange. And it's just, it's like really sad because I'm like, no, you guys were in love. And I really wanted to see them patch that up, you know? That's kind of like what I would have changed. And I just would have had them shift focus more 
in that arena while Cora was doing all the shit she's doing. Because I think like what her motives were were actually really great and they totally made sense in like that villainous way. And like she was such an excellent character to bring in as like the big bad for season two. This season was an interesting one. It sets up the two arc per season format that we see for the rest of the show. But this one doesn't have as clear lines between the two halves as the other ones do. And in some ways it works to their advantage. And in other ways it left some things feeling like they went on too long. It was weird what plots they spread out over multiple episodes. And then what they crammed in with no time at all. Like Greg suspiciously walking around the hospital (laughs) didn't need to be like seven episodes. Holy shit. Whereas Belle should have had a lot more time, you know, unpacking what she learned about Rumpelstiltskin's past. Yes. I enjoyed the overarching plot of Emma learning how to be a family with Snow and Charming. I do wish there was a lot more of it. I don't think there was enough. I loved Emma and Henry. I loved the introduction of Neil, Hook, Mulan, and Aurora. I thought they all fit very well on the show. I think they're very strong additions to the cast. Regina's redemption arc was both infuriating at times, but it was very interesting in the episodes where it was done well. Like in Queen of Hearts, she had some great moments there and straight on till morning. Like, you know, those are the two episodes that that make that plot kind of worth it. And The Doctor, uh, episode five of the season. I feel like that was a pretty strong one for that plot too. There was a lot of episodes in there that I was just like, what are you doing? Why are you going with this? This is infuriating. But those were very strong for that plot. I also would not have killed Korra off too soon like they did because she was a fantastic villain. She was so strong. I think there's a world where Tamara and Greg could have been interesting antagonists. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, this execution here, it it failed. It, it really failed here. I think they just shot their load like way too soon with them. It just, it was wah-wah. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was, it could have been interesting. They're both great actors. It could have been interesting. It wasn't. And I think the other things I would have changed, I would have changed Gus Gus's death. He would be alive and happy if I wrote the show. That plot was bullshit. Bullshit. Same with Lancelot. Um... I'm sure you're all really surprised, but I thought there was too much goddamn August. (laughs) (laughs) Color me so surprised. (laughs) Too much. Too much. Also, overall, I feel like the season very much rushed things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, going last, so everyone has already said everything I wanted to say, but killing Korra off as quickly as they did was a disservice to a lot of probably very good plot development that could have happened Mm -hmm. if they had just kept her through the entirety of the season. But also, I I don't know, Barbara Hershey is a busy woman, so I guess that factored in. I think it did. Because, you know, she got shit to do. Yeah. While I liked that we did get, albeit a very bad Ruby episode, she was largely underutilized again like she always mm-hmm. is and i get that sebastian stan was off being in love with captain america but would it have killed <laughs> them to give us more jefferson <laughs> amen <laughs> like i get pretty. it steve is so pretty i get it <laughs> but but i miss hattie poo miss my hattie poo and i want him back and also like it's par for the course but for like the millionth time being like regina can be redeemed just kidding she just doesn't even want to is getting really fucking old but hey you know what does work for me hmm 
Neil. <laughs> he's perfect. And I'm happy he's here. I can say that for season two. Hell yeah. Neil yeah. is perfect. Yeah. You guys brought up an excellent point that the introduction of Neil, Hook, Mulan, and Aurora were like perfect additions to the cast. Unfortunately, it did come at the sacrifice of Archie and Ruby, but it really didn't have to. No, it, it didn't did, have to There's no reason. There's no reason that there couldn't be more Archie and Ruby episodes. Especially there's... since really what I would have changed was I would have introduced Tamara and Greg at the very, very, very end of season two. They like, dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah, they would have been like the cliffhanger, essentially. Yes! You'd be like, yes. who the fuck are these people? And it'd be like, oh, you gotta wait till season three to find out. Exactly. Like, I mean, how they ended season one was awesome because, like, mm -hmm. they had... Okay, so the curse broke, but it didn't end necessarily on this, like completely happy ending because now you have to deal with like magic's the, coming the magic yeah. is coming and like what the shit's that gonna do yeah exactly so you st it still left you wanting more and i'm not saying that like season two ending didn't left me wanting more of course i do but like again because yeah, the neverland feel... tease is great they just like really hurried into things yeah yeah they really did like they were like quick we gotta hurry up and kill cora because we really want to get to these losers and it's like what the miller's daughter is the episode that precedes Welcome to Storybook. And I'm just like, like those two episodes are so wildly fucking different mm -hmm. that I'm like, I'm still reeling. Like if, if this had been my first time seeing The Miller's Daughter, I'd be like, whoa, 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 slow the fuck down, slow the fuck down. Wait, what? You know, because yeah. there's so much going on it and there's so much to unpack in that episode and they just don't do it, you yeah. know? I think we could have, we could have lost Greg and Tamara. We'd have mm. lost Greg and Tamara. We could have had Core up to the end of the season. I don't think we needed Greg and Tamara anymore. I think we could have ended with Henry being taken to Neverland from outside forces. Yeah. He falls through a portal in the I was going to say, honestly, Cora. Cora could have punted him through a tunnel and like a portal, and that would have like been just as good as far as I would care. They could have mm. had the shadow come and steal Henry. The shadow. The yeah, shadow. Then you'd be like, what the fuck is that? And it'd be like, find out in season three. Yeah. Like, like that could have worked. They, they could have cut this entirely and, you know, given the like sure total of like 70 odd minutes of Greg frowning walking around the hospital <laughs> and given that to more plot for Cora, more plot for Ruby, more plot. I do love Ethan Embry. I'm sorry, Ethan Embry. <laughs> There's just too much. No, There's no, no, no. Much. This is no reflection of the actors. <laughs> I, I think they could have been cut entirely. I think there was enough history and strain between Neil and Emma that they could have had that strained relationship without a fiance in the way. There didn't need to be a fiance in the way. Um, well, things were going to be weird between them anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. They could have gone through A to B without Greg and Tamara. They did not need to be there. They did not need to spend all that time on them. No, and then we would have eliminated that second wind of August in Selfless, Brave, and True, and we didn't fucking need him. Like he could have, he could have, he could have just been turned into a real boy at the very beginning of season two, and then that would have been it. I was like, okay, great. Now we have this adorable ginger instead of fucking August, you know, yeah. instead. And, and that would have been awesome. Yeah. Then Harry would have had a friend. Henry would have had a friend, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, and if they wanted to still do that, like, self-destruct plot line, like, mm -hmm. maybe Cora was like, we're going to self-destruct it, and you and me, Regina, we're going to get out of here. Like, mm -hmm. we're going to screw them all. Like, we're getting out of there. And then, like, you know. And then Regina her heart has, gets put in, and yeah, she's got to deal with it. And their second thoughts. Like, right, they, they could have made this work without them. They could have spent more time on the stuff that worked this season instead yeah. of trying to fit in stuff that just didn't. Yeah, because... As good as like 90% of the Neverland arc is, I do think that they 
and I'll bitch about it more when they get to Oz, when you have such a heavily built up IP already, such as Peter Pan, I don't know. I think there's like a level of service you need to do for it. And they do it for the most part pretty well with Pan. But like the fact that it's it like it starts off kind of choppy, I guess I could say. But like just the fact that like they give us like a, an, an appetizer of it, I guess you could say in season two. And I'm like, no, man, just save it for season three. Like save it for season three. I have to disagree. I think the buildup to Neverland is actually one of the better things about the end of the season. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Bay. Yeah, it's a good lead up to to teasing season three. I do like the flashback scenes at the end of season two. It worked. But then you're right. And then you have like that same shadow that took Wendy and then that took Bay come to oh, take yeah. Henry. And then it's like, uh, that would have been so much better than just like this random fucking sketch of Henry that the 27 I, year old man <laughs> lost. Boy yeah, and I, yeah. And I feel this episode in season one, that's how it would have played out. Yeah. It would have been the same danger in both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking about season one, how would you say this season compares to season one? I think this season took a lot more chances. I'm not saying they were good and they didn't all take flight, but uh, because season one was very much a stay on the tracks opener to break the curse, you know, so season two by comparison was much of a now deal with it follow-up, but I feel it was prematurely cut off and rushed, as Lynn had said, to fit in the latter half of the season. I know we complained that season one was a few episodes too long or did not focus on the correct characters from time to time, but season two gave us a handful of really compelling new characters that they then shoved to the side to make way for underdeveloped villains that really had no business being more than hinted at towards the very end, as I had said last. So in terms of like tightly keeping focus on that award goes to season one, but I don't, I used to say season two was like out of the seasons I had seen was my favorite, but that was also again, before I was, you know, critically thinking there are very season one character blunders that I feel like should have been course corrected and they tried, you can tell, like you can tell that there is like some sort of arguing in the writer's room or something by the way that um, certain characters fall back into like these out of character fucking hellscaped, you know, personalities. And you're like, what the fuck is going on with this character? Even like gaslighting Emma. It was like, yeah. what? That was, bad. Was, that, like, that like, was such a shitty thing that just kept happening in season It just two. kept happening. And it didn't make and it made no sense. sense. There was There's no basis for it. for it. And we were just like, who, what? Definitely feel like certain episodes felt like they were trying to do damage control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then just got re-unraveled. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of like damage control episodes in season two. And I Yeah, feel... like there's definitely like certain writers trying to be like, okay, we're going to try and fix what they did. We're going to try and fix what they did. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what are you calling them? Berg Bliss? Berg Bliss. <laughs> Berg Bliss came back in and was like, no, we had it the way we wanted it and just knocked everything back over. <laughs> knocked everything back over. <laughs> like an angry toddler. Well. Guillermo, no, no Guillermo. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just the angry cat on the counter just swatting wiping your breakables off <laughs> yeah, no 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 <laughs> just direct eye contact yeah <laughs> and you're just like fuck and it's just like jane espison and going ah like fucking trying, frantically catching. frantically trying to like <laughs> piece everything back together and then yeah. there's just these two men at the end with their scissors just like no 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 
No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not saying season one was perfect because it wasn't. We recognize that. Mm. We all know season one wasn't perfect. But season two to me very much felt like when you have a really successful movie and then you try and catch that same lightning in a bottle twice by throwing out a sequel and it's just not quite as good. Like it's trying so hard to be like, this was so good, grab onto that. And it's like, it mm-hmm. just kind of went, oh. There were some good episodes in season two. It just often felt kind of anticlimactic in comparison to season one. Mm. It also felt like, which we kind of talked about, like overall there was just a very short attention span with plots. Like there were a lot of things that just kind of got picked up and then tossed aside just as quickly. And I don't know if this was just them bowing to fandom opinion too much or what, but I feel like it made the season a lot poorer for it and made the stakes for everything seem just way less dire than they were in season one. Yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah, season one was just overall stronger than season two. Yeah, there were some really great season two episodes, but I think season one had a stronger overarching plot. I think season two could have done with some polishing, some overall better pacing. They needed to, you know, have the full story mapped out and take a look at it from start to finish and make sure it made sense as an overarching plot, that it flowed well. I really like the addition of Hook, Neil, Mulan, and Aurora this season. I think they were very strong additions that meshed very well with the core cast. However, I did not like the reduced roles of Ruby, Archie, Jefferson, who of course was busy, but, and and Leroy. The season two, Leroy. Leroy. Uh, The season two finale was good. I, I, I did really like the finale and the penultimate too, but we had been basically meandering post the Miller's daughter up into those final two episodes. And I think the second half of the season could have been a lot tighter. Season one had some very strong narrative themes that paid off well in the finale. You know, this theme of belief, this theme of I will always find you. Season two was missing that. I think the closest we got to a a lovely bookend in season two was in the first episode in Broken, we had Emma's anger and discomfort around her parents when she like learns the truth and a lot of like the first like eight or so episodes with her and Mary Margaret you know in the enchanted forest is her dealing with that and that's very strong and then it's it's dropped it goes immediately to the background for the rest of the season but then we come at the very end and we finally have we have Emma embracing her parents when she thinks it's the end and and finally calling them mom and dad in the finale And those were great bookends. Like that was some of the strongest narrative moments for me this season was seeing Emma's journey there. But like I said, like that journey is focused on a lot at the very beginning of the season and is just completely background up until those final episodes. Just the last one, really. That's interesting. I I went into this being like, I think season two might be stronger than season one, but no, my heart's still with season one so far. I do think season one was stronger than two. Well... So time to talk about our top favorite episodes? It's time! All right. Mine are in no particular order because they all just have a special place in my heart for sometimes said the same reasons and sometimes different reasons. So I'm just, when I say number one, it doesn't necessarily mean it is the number one in my heart because they all are. So my favorite episodes are Tallahassee, hands down. Fuck, do I love the ballad, <laughs> the ballad of Neil and Emma really. They're just so adorable. And this is when we first really get to know Neil and his, he stole our, uh, he was a little thief and he stole all of our hearts. (laughs) 
And he was just so in love with Emma. And I... Yes, he made he made a mistake by listening to August, but as we know, you know, he was very frightened and rightly so. And you know, this is a, a kid who got yeeted into a portal and fucking had to finish raising himself. So he's got a lot of trauma that he's, you know, dealing with. So I don't necessarily blame him. I blame a lot on August. <laughs> who you blame should... everything on August. Okay. Not that August also doesn't dealing with like his own trauma, he is, but still. Ooh, blame August. <laughs> okay. Just blame August. Just then blame I have August. Manhattan where we find Neil and we realize, and it's Bay, and Bay is his dad. And oh they my make God. A lot of Scooby Doo noises. Yeah. 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 Zoinks. That's a baboo. A baboo. We all know I'm just a big old hornball for the Miller's daughter. I, it's, but it's, but it truly is a masterful episode. Like it is such a great episode. And just the fact that it was a one and done will bother me forever. There was so much more to explore and look back on. And I'm just really sad that we didn't get more than that. But my Lord, I love that one. And then I did also, we are both. To me, we are both is the actual soul of Once Upon a Time. Like it really encapsulates what I believe the showrunners are trying to convey and, you know, with varying success. But I do feel like We Are Both is like that episode. Like if you're going to show somebody an episode of Once Upon a Time or to like try and convince them to like, you know, like rewatch it or something, I'd be like, you know what? Watch this one. It's just a solid episode. We get all of our favorites that we met in season one and we get just the thesis, I think. The thesis of the show and, and the spirit of like charming and all of like our heroes and such. It's uplifting. It's very uplifting. And I really like it. What about you, Elisa? So my my top one, uh, like you, is Tallahassee. Just uh, Tallahassee. I love I love the flashbacks. Also the present day storyline, you know, minus the awkward CGI, like it's still great. I love, you know, seeing that backstory with Emma and Neil. It, it's, it's so charming. They play so well off each other. It, it gets you in the heart. It's really good. And then I love Emma and Hook and the, you know, do you trust him? Do you not trust him? Uh, yeah, Tallahassee is so strong. It's so strong. Definitely my favorite of the season for sure. I think Tallahassee is one of the reasons why I was like, oh yeah, season two is a great season. Mm-hmm. And I think I was almost purely thinking about Tallahassee. Like that's the episode I was thinking of because that's one has that just stayed with me the most from the season because it is so strong. My second one's Manhattan. So good. It's kind of a bookend of, of Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the, everything about Neil and Bay coming together. And it's just such great performances. Like uh, Jennifer Morrison's performance in the episode is so good. Just everything coming to a head. And it's just wonderfully done, wonderfully acted. Really love that one. My third is We Are Both. Um, I think for a lot of the same reasons, Shelly, who also already said, it's just such a strong storybook episode. I wish we had more of it in this season. It's what we needed more of in season two. It's what was lacking in season two that we had a lot more of in season one. My fourth was was The Miller's Daughter. I think it's some of the best writing in the season. Maybe in general, some of the best writing in Once Upon a Time in general. I think it's a very clever script. It's just so solid. Like, enjoyable from start to finish. And then my fifth one is probably Straight On Till Morning, the finale. It's not a perfect episode, but it set the third season up so well. I really enjoyed the Neverland flashbacks. There's a lot of payoff that 
in some ways maybe wasn't even deserved after kind of some of the wah wah moments uh, in the mm-hmm. second half of the season. Uh, but if you take the first half of the season and then go straight on till morning, there's a lot of payoff to the stuff that's set up in those first, you know, chunk of episodes. There's great payoff with uh, Emma and her parents, great payoff with with Henry and Regina, with with Emma and Regina. Well, Lynn, what about you? I got I'm so boring. I have the same top two as you guys, like Tallahassee, like literally everyone else. It's a banger fucking episode. It was, I I think it was indisputably the best episode of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. So whatever. We all had it. We all fucking love Neil. Yeah. It is what it is. We all fucking love Neil. Yeah. Which also (laughs) was why Manhattan's number two. Because I fucking love Neil. That's why, that's why in our episodes, that's why in our Instagram polls, it was was not a fucking democracy. It was not a democracy. You love Neil, goddammit. And and I accidentally put my whole hand in his mouth. (laughs) Oh, Noah. Oh, no, Noah. Is he okay? He's okay, but it just was a real experience because I didn't know he was yawning as I was reaching out to pet his head. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, it was just a whole cat mouth around the entirety of my hand. (laughs) Okay, is he unfazed? Oh, he's he's unfazed. I'm the only one that was like, ah, cat mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I vary a little bit because I have Into the Deep. Which one was that? It has the snowing moment that made me cry this season. I cried so much, too. Because it's when it's when mary margaret and david meet in the dreamscape oh yeah and the scene is so good and it's it's the most beautiful snowing moment we get all season and it made me cry and that episode also was like the oh shit here we go sleeping warrior episode Mm -hmm. because it was a real big aurora mulan episode too so it was just like into the deep made it on here because it had good ship food yeah I want to revise my list into the deep on it too. Well, now you have six. (laughs) (laughs) No one likes an overachiever, Elisa. (laughs) You make the rest of the class feel subpar. (laughs) Okay. And then for number four, I put broken just because I actually thought the season opener was pretty fucking solid this season. It was good. It was good. I feel like it made promises the season didn't keep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But sure. It absolutely. Yeah. It definitely started out being like, we're real strong out of the gate. We're doing this. And then it kind of went, oh, just kidding. I got tired and I need a bit of a lie down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like after the Miller's daughter, that's like when when things started just took a really really sharp like roller coaster dip (laughs) yeah like like, even like uh, more even than that i feel like i somehow got an entirely different ride after that yeah i was yeah exactly i'm like wait i got on a roller coaster and now i'm like I don't know, spinning tea- mountain, splash mountain or spinning, <laughs> spinning fucking teacups going around and around. And it's just like, what is, yeah, I feel like that's actually more accurate because it actually doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> you just, it just whirls you around and then you're like, oh, I'm exactly where I started. Oh, and I feel kind of sick. I didn't go anywhere and I feel a little bit ill. A little, little queasy. It was a good start. So it made it on there because I felt it was like it was a real strong episode. It just kind of, you know. To quote Eddie Izzard, deflated like a flan in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. That's, that's a very accurate assessment. Well, I guess on, on that theme, what were our least favorite episodes this season? I put Lady of the Lake because, one, it was a burglist, yeah. and it had that extremely gross, misogynistic, a woman's job is babies. Yeah. Yeah. It, it killed Lancelot straight out of the gate fucking off screen somewhere 
And even though it is, is that the one with Ruth in it? Yeah, it's the one where Ruth dies. I, I yeah. loved Ruth. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. It was beautiful, but I just thought like, uh, yeah, it, it just, it was really disappointing. That episode has and so it much bummed potential. me out. Yeah. And it bummed me out just so much. Selfless, brave, and true. I, I put too much August. Also, just like, that fucking oh, yeah. episode is just mm. fun. It's so awful from start to finish. It's not good. I thought we had like some enchanted forest scenes or something that like flashbacks that were pretty good, but otherwise, like in Selfless, Brave, and True, no, the flashbacks are August's past. They're, yeah, oh, that's right with Tamara. Yeah, and yeah it's it's him. Oh, like no. I mean, sure, you you know you find out later that you know whatever with Tamara. Spoilers, but that's the one where it's just like, yeah, you you stole all this money from a woman dying of cancer. Yeah, after you stole the money that Neil left. Emma. Yeah, that Neil stole, left. You stole. Emma's money to set up her life Dick. and blew it on whatever. Yeah. So then I have Child of the Moon because again, another one that like has a lot of potential but falls real flat. Like I don't know what that virtual reality wolf chase fucking was, <laughs> but it wasn't good. It know. wasn't good. It wasn't like it wasn't a night. Like they weren't out. I don't fuck. It. I don't understand. I don't understand. It was a waste of a Ruby episode. It was a waste of Annabeth Gish. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a waste of feathers. <laughs> it was just awful. A waste. A waste. Just a waste. The Outsider and the Crocodile are crimes against my favorite characters done dirty by men who just cannot be trusted with women or complex morally gray characters. Um, I remember loving these episodes beforehand when I was just watching it out of love and it was, you know, baby food for the brain. As we're watching this show with critical thinking and really intently watching, I cannot reconcile with what they brush under the rug. Like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. no. Damn it. Like, don't make me dislike my favorite fucking character. Like, I, I will not. The dude does not abide this kind of aggression, man. Like, I just. See that movie. Huh? I said one day I'll see that movie. Oh man, you have to. It's so good. I get um, the reference, but I don't know it. I refuse to like make apologies for Rumpelstiltskin and or just like these writers who write who do him dirty and like write these other characters dirty without then follow up. You know, it just sucks. And I just want to note that one, two, three of these five episodes that I've listed are Berg Bliss episodes. So there you go. Uh, mine is it's on the, this different order with the same episodes. The same. Yeah, we, yeah. We, have, we all have the same episodes. We just different order. Yeah. Them, we sorted them into different orders. I didn't so, put mine in any particular order. So mine, mine least, are in order. When it mine gets are to in me. order too, yeah. Uh, okay. My least favorite is the crocodile. It just made me feel icky. My second least favorite is Selfless, Brave, and True, because uh, it was just... It's painful. Uh, it was painful. It was, painful. It was a bad episode. Uh, my third one is Child of the Moon, um, and it just hurts because Ruby's one of my favorite characters. And Red-Handed in season one is so good. It's so good. And I think Red-Handed us- was like on all of our favorite episode lists. I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure when we did the season one wrap-up, we all had Red-Handed on our list. Yeah, Red-Handed is so good, and Child of the Moon was just so disappointing, and just so many icky things in it, just some icky, icky things, and there there were, like, some good little character moments, like, there's some really good, like, charming and, and red stuff, but, ugh, 
Also, they killed Gus Gus, so I hate them forever. <sighs> and then Gus, Gus. my next is probably The Outsider. The flashback is p- pretty enjoyable in that episode, but the the main plot is just the I'll never get over librarian at large yeah and i mean librarian at large was funny as hell it was funny as hell but they just have her be so stupid and then saying things like to hook like oh your heart is is black and rubble still says you're good this is good man it's like you just learned that he ripped his own wife's heart out and you don't know this part whatever like like yes he's an antagonist but he's but so is your boyfriend you (laughs) dum-dum so much worse things like what what is this comparison here like if she is seeing the best in people she should have seen something good in hook like that i don't know it just doesn't compute to me did bell so fucking it did dirty. bell so dirty and that was just made me very upset because i don't know so during this rewatch i'm so much more attached to bell i think than i was ever the first time and i'm just so angry on her behalf all the time just how dirty the show does her because she deserves so much more and then probably um next one is lady of the lake and it's the, the least worst on my list because there was some very there's some good moments in here which just mm-hmm. it was such a such a waste of potential because there was some really good stuff in lady of the lake and then just some really gross writing choices in lady of the lake lady of the lake is one of those episodes i think that you were talking about like how you felt about the crocodile where the first time you watched it you loved it because it was just you were watching the show and you weren't critically thinking about it mm-hmm that's kind of Lady of the Lake for me is that I remember like loving the Snow and Charming stuff in that episode and then still being very mad at the first time about Lancelot being dead. But like the other stuff like was just kind of like, oh, it's a show and this stuff happens. And but going back, I'm like, no, this is really gross that they're like, this is how they're treating women and talking about women and that, you know, someone's sole function is the ability to give birth. So in retrospect, I like that episode a lot less than I had originally liked it. I still love that beautiful wedding shot of, of Snow and Charming, though. It's so pretty. It's a mixed bag. They disappointed me. I feel like Tyra Banks with Lady of the Lake. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, we all have the same goddamn ones. We have the mm. same ones. We- <laughs> different orders, though. Different orders. I mean, okay, so guess which one I hated the most. <laughs> Could it be the August <laughs> one? It was the August one. Wow. self was the worst episode this season. I hated it. I hated all the times that he felt the need to yank up his pant leg. <laughs> <laughs> and point at his stupid leg and look real smug about it while everyone was just like yeah it's just a fucking hairy man leg bro <laughs> it happened so many times that episode it, it was so dumb and he's just he's he's the worst and back to he, he stole from a woman dying of cancer and we're supposed to be like oh yeah he's got he can be redeemed i'm like okay whatever like she ended up being a sneeze of a character but i love tamara for fucking tasering you to death on <laughs> her magic taser magic taser. i love tamara coming in with her magic taser like a good fairy and putting you out of my mind <laughs> <laughs> putting you down putting you down <laughs> so she gets a crown for that queen i say queen <laughs> Number two was the crocodile, which when we did that episode, I spoke ad nauseum about how disgusting I thought the treatment of women in that episode was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, and then, you know, the outsider, because what the fuck, Belle? She's the smartest Disney princess, canonically. And they just were like, but what if she was stupid? 
They did her so dirty. They did her so dirty. Here's a novel approach. I don't think anyone's taken to her character yet. What if we made her stupid? Because girls like like stupid. Because girls like stupid, right? And she's just like dickmatized, right? And it's just like, oh, Lord, it was so painful to watch. And no, no amount of hilarity that I got from her just stamping around Storybrooke, waving her gun, was going to negate Finger that. on the trigger. Which, don't get me wrong, I found that absolutely hysterical. <laughs> which was not the point at all. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they were going for, but it was funny as hell. But yeah, no, episode sucks. Then obviously Lady of the Lake, because even though it had such beautiful snowing moments and introduces my favorite goddamn Snow White costume in the entire show, it was so gross that it just was like we boil a woman's worth down to her baby making abilities. And if she doesn't have that, she's worthless. And that's just the shittiest take ever. Yeah. And it just it happens it happens so often in media, and whenever it does, I'm just like, please just walk into the ocean. Yeah. So, there we go. I had the exact same episodes as you guys are. Maybe I got a little differently angry. I don't know. I don't know if it was interesting or not, but that's yeah. what I'm- Yeah. We all had different things to say about them. I mean, I I'm the only one who got angry about August leg. So I guess <laughs> you I brought that, that to the table, babe. His, his stupid, stupid leg. He was way too proud to show people. Dabbing the scalpel in it. God Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking August. Why does he even hear? Why does he even hear? Do it for the lulls, August. Do it for the lulls. <laughs> oh, God. He'd have to be more entertaining for that to be a thing. <laughs> Let's distract ourselves with our more consistent favorite thing in Once Upon a Time. What are your favorite outfits this season? Um. (laughs) (laughs) It was an excited, a noise of excitement. Oh, okay. I thought it was a wah-wah. I didn't like the outfits at all. I interpret it as an, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Again, these are kind of like in no particular order because I love them all equally, but... Belle's adventuring outfit in The Outsider. So yeah, The Outsider at least had good flashbacks because that was the one with her adventuring with Mulan. Oh, yeah. Well, anytime Mulan shows up, it's like, hell yeah. Anytime you put Belle also with other women, it's like, hell yeah. Yeah, because she instantly oh, yeah. becomes a bisexual nightmare but whenever she's with any other woman. She becomes, she becomes, which we've discussed before, the reoccurring gag and how I met your mother whenever Lily would get drunk and oh, be like, yeah. oh, but if we just kissed, wouldn't that be so funny? That's funny. That's like something I, yeah. every woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I, I did love about season two is I loved Belle and Ruby. Their friendship was so cute. Their flirtatious friendship was adorable. Say, which was again, her being a bisexual nightmare. Yeah. They were I think, I think, I think one of the favorite aspects of season two overall is just all the queerness that was in season yeah. two just yeah. laced yeah. on so heavily. Oh yeah. Even that weird Archie and Hook moment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Even the, you know what? Like, I know that the listeners, I saw the poll results, did not agree with me. But I definitely watched it and I was all like, they're going to kiss. It was charged, man. It was charged. They're going to kiss. It was charged. They're going to kiss. Them them some looks. (laughs) But yes, her, her lovely outfit, adventuring outfit in The Outsider, Snow's outfit in Lady of the Lake. Holy fuck balls. That is a perfect outfit please lynn make that for yourself i want to do 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 
Regina's morning outfit from Queen of Hearts. Ugh, top tier. Queen. Mwah. So good. My goth queen. And everything both Little Snow and Mary Margaret wore in The Queen is Dead is absolute perfection. My favorites, like you, definitely Snow's Lady of the Lake outfit that she wore a few times a season, but premiered in Lady of the Lake. It's just Eduardo really, really knocked it out of the park with that one. It's so beautiful. I love Mulan's arbor. I love that armor design. It's Mm -hmm. so nice. You know, it's the only thing we really see her in, but it's just perfect. I love it so much. And then I also really loved Belle's adventuring outfit. It's so cute. Yeah, those are definitely my favorites. Three really lovely, very unique and and inspired female costumes. Those three ones, I, I really liked them. Well, like literally everyone else, my favorite was, you know, Snow's Lady of the Lake outfit. It's my favorite Snow White outfit in the entire series, I think. Like, it's just, it's perfect. And then Aurora's lavender dress, I really mm. love. And I love that they were actually super clever and sometimes it looks more pink and sometimes it looks more blue. Mm-hmm. So they definitely like managed to get a dress that did the make it pink, make it blue. And I do commend them for that. And then I, I'm copying Chell because I'm seconding that I just want every damn thing Little Snow wears ever. So cute. She has the best wardrobe. I want all of it. Yes, Lynn and I have a very similar aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It's very pastel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very cutesy and very pastel we're usually like we're now like sharing like i found this on amazon i think you need it too yeah we're just like <laughs> yo link look at this look at this damn sweater i got look at this <laughs> damn sweater <laughs> look at this look at this area rug it's all pastel and fuzzy so um we talked about our favorite costumes what about our least favorite outfits so this was a hard one because i feel like there was a lot less offensive ones than some of the real winners in season one mm-hmm. um but Hook's potato sack, blacksmith disguise. <laughs> oh, you hated that. He's, he's such a handsome man. <laughs> handsome man. What are I, they I feel like this is a classist comment. <laughs> they did literally stick him in a potato sack. It's a potato sack. <laughs> it was just a brown, like shapeless burlap bag that they were like, that's your disguise. It was like, oh, that's going to work like gangbusters. <laughs> That's this pirate jewelry like sticking out of I know. Yeah, it was like you really tried on this one, didn't you? Because he's like, I'll disguise myself. And he like literally just like ripped the top of a potato sack open and pulled it over his head and went, Good enough. I'm so smart. (laughs) Praise me. Praise me. (laughs) And then my other is just all those damn feathers in Child of the Moon. Because they're werewolves. Why do they have feathers? Why? I mean, I think it's their <laughs> their kills, and they so they decorate themselves with their feathers. I don't know, but it's just you're trying to find logic where there is none. Ugh, those feathers. Done with it. Done with it. I have to say, Snow and Emma's mommy and me bucket hats. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you know me, you know I hate a bucket hat. <laughs> <laughs> Then, you know, Child of the Moon, Anita's bootleg spirit Halloween Jareth from the Labyrinth costume she was wearing. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was not good. <laughs> and then, not that it was actually a bad outfit, but I am honorable mention Cora's random pantsuit because that did me a fright to see her wearing it. <laughs> it looked good in it, though. It wasn't that she looked bad. It was just No, that it wasn't it that she a- looked bad. And it, was it wasn't surprising. that it was even a bad pantsuit. It was just like, up until then, every time you see her, she was in this overblown queen regalia. And then she was just in a pantsuit. And it scared me. It felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I 
is very frightening. It did me a frighten. So that's why it gets an honorable mention. Yeah, honorable <laughs> mention. That is that is also on my list because Crimes <laughs> Against Feathers continued this season and that was the big crime of the season. It usually is. I just wish that the outfits in Welcome to Storybrooke had been more era appropriate 80s. That's me all. too. I wish we'd gotten some good fucking 80s fashion. It would have been fun. Yeah. Is that really so much to ask for? I know. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Apparently, yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess we're at the Ask Us Anything part now. Woohoo! Okay, so uh, first up from Ravenclaw Pride 16 on Tumblr, we have what are your all time favorite characters, not just in Once Upon a Time? Sweet baby Jesus. Okay, I'm just gonna dump a list of characters, and if you know them, great. If not, use the giggles to look them up. Count Dacula, Donald Duck, Scrooge McDuck. Have you noticed a trend? Rainbow Bright, Usagi, a.k.a. Sailor Moon, absolutely, number one. Karo-chan, Sergal and Alec, Armand the Vampire, Disney's Robin Hood, Lilo, Ozma of Oz, Jack Pumpkinhead, Nadia, that's from What We Do in the Shadows, Oscar the Grouch, Statler and Waldorf, Kermit the Frog, R2-D2, Chopper, BB-8, K2SO, Luke Skywalker, OG Skeletor, King Voden, Zoot from the Tribe, Ram from the Tribe, Templeton from Charlotte's Web, Magicka Dispel, and Shirley, and Dumbo. That's just a tip of the iceberg. Chell, I love so much that you have Saragol and Alec. My Night Runner loving heart is very full. Here they will that. always be on my favorite characters list. I love them. I love and I love, um, oh God, what was the kid's name? Sebron. Sebron, Sebron so, yeah. Sebron. So, and Sebron is definitely like one of my absolute like all-time favorites. And I love him. I actually like created fan art like of him and stuff. Aww. He is so cute. What about you? For me, Luke Skywalker. Uh, Utna Tenjo, Makoto um, Kino, Haruka Tenno, Prompto Argentum, uh, Ronan Lynch, Peter Malark, Gideon Nav, Sophie Hatter, Mr. Sora Kingdom Hearts, God, <laughs> here we go. Mr. Riku Kingdom Hearts, also Miss Aqua Kingdom Hearts, all the Kingdom Hearts kids. At least you put honorifics in front of them, I guess. I know, right? Mr. Anders Dragon Age. I'm just giving, giving everyone last names. Uh, Alistair Why Theron. Like this? I don't know. Donna Noble, Pike Trickfoot, Percy DeRolo, Caduceus Clay, MT from Infinity Train. If you haven't watched Infinity Train, watch it. Aubrey Little. Um, and my favorite Disney characters are Rapunzel and Cassandra from Tangled Series, Merida, Cinderella, Anna, Ariel, uh, Giselle, and a Peter Pan, even though he is a little shit. Also, Bert. Bert is the best Disney man. I think you'll find that's Milo Thatch. <laughs> you mean Bert from like Mary Poppins? Yeah, Mary, Mary Poppins. Oh, love him! I love him so much. Step in time. Step oh, in time. He's so adorable. He is adorable. What about you, Lynn? This is so long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mine 
is Usagi Sakino. She is my number one with a bullet. I almost just stopped my list there and went, fuck it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I have so many. I'll try to have a smaller list or this will go on forever, which I feel it already has. As far as Disney, since Once Upon a Time podcast, my absolute favorite narrowed down are Snow White, Rapunzel, Aurora, and Donald Duck. Outside of that, this is just going to be a lump, which much like Chell said, if you know, you know. If you don't, use the giggles. It's not my problem. Miku Hinazaki, Anthe Himamiya, Gideon Nav, Hera Hark Nona Jesimus, Lori Stroud, Heather Mason, Thor, Noctis Lucius Calum, Prompto Argentum, Commander Shepard, Mio Amakamura, Sophie Hatter, Vexalia, Jester Lavore, Loop, and Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> I thought it was getting lengthy, so I just stopped writing things. I have more. Oh, we all have more. But I stopped because I was we like, stopped. oh no, it's so ourselves. long. It's yeah. so long. People aren't going to care. Pokemons. And I kept thinking of new things. And I was like, oh God, I didn't put Caden Alenko on here. I didn't put Caden Alenko on here. And I talked <laughs> I mean, about him I once upon a time. <laughs> I didn't even put like any of my Tim Curry roles. Or... And he's Archie. He's Archie. Caden Alenko was Archie. And I didn't put him on this list. <laughs> well, you're talking about him now. I am. Blows Everyone a kiss knows to now. Space Canada for my Space Canadian <laughs> husband, Caden Alenko. And I didn't even list anyone from Dragon Age. Shit. Zevron. Zevron R and I and my husband from Dragon Age. Well, Mr. Anders Dragon Age. Mr. Anders Dragon Age is my Dragon Age 2 husband. I can go for each game. I love Luna Lovegood. Inquisition Luna Iron Bull. Iron Bull's my Inquisition husband. There we go. I've covered the three Dragon Age games. <laughs> Yay, there you go. Yay. Who is Sophie Hatter? Why do I know that name? How's, How's Moving Castle? Castle? Oh, that's right. She's so good. <gasps> Best I girl. Do, I didn't you do any of my Miyazaki because I love I love um no face. I, and like I, love, that was, I love that that was your go-to. I like that you were like, I didn't put it in Kipley. I love no face. I love, I love no face. face. I love that that was your go-to. Not yeah. like I expected you to say like, I don't know, like Kiki or something. I love baby. I love, I love Gigi. Baby only as a mouse. Oh, you know, did you know that Salem was almost named Gigi originally? <gasps> Gigi. Because he had the biggest ears when I brought him home. Oh. So he literally looked like the Gigi art. Oh. So almost Gigi. No, nah, he's a Salem. But then he definitely, he just, he straight up is Salem. Our cats are Ghibli characters, though, because... We did assign them each. Salem is Gigi, Noah's Totoro, and Merlin is Baby. (laughs) Who's Baby? The little mouse in Spirited Away, or the baby, but then it's turned into the mouse. The baby that gets turned into the fat little mouse that tires itself out doing anything. So I love Baby as the bird to carry it around. (laughs) No, I love No Face, because I love, like, goes, ah, ah, and he's just trying to feed people. (laughs) Chihiro's just like, no, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I love Chihiro and I love Haku. So, yeah, Spirited Ways. And it's so to- good. Spirited Ways and to- Totoro are my two favorites. I've seen Howl's Moving Castle once and I've seen Kiki's Delivery once and they're both excellent. And my recommendation to you, it's very different, but just as good, just very different good. If you haven't read Howl's Moving Castle, read Howl's Moving Castle. Is it a manga or is it a... It's a, a, book. Book. It's a book. It's a book. It's so good. It's so good. It's very, very different. Neither one is better than the other. They're just both very different things and both very, very good things. It's kind of like Princess Bride the movie versus Princess Bride the book. Right. They're each very good, but you also are kind of like, this is only sort of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Sophie yeah, yeah. is so wonderful in the book. It's just that the book is so, it's, she's so, it's so different and so good. She's so done. She's book. so done. I love my, it so much. My favorite character in Howl's Moving Castle is unsurprisingly Calcifer. Good. <laughs> well, he's good splendid. Choice. <laughs> yeah like if it's like a sassy 
like it shouldn't really be a character it's probably going to be my favorite <laughs> so <laughs> like right fair. now i'm watching star star wars rebels i'm now i've now officially moved on to rebels and uh chopper the droid is the i'm like fuck me i love this fucking droid i can't wait to go to galaxy's edge and find a find like a plushie of chopper i mean to be <laughs> fair i feel like in star wars the droids are always showstoppers though they're so i think so that they're always my favorite characters like yeah. like r2d2 has been my favorite character since i was a kid so R2-D2, like, K2SO from Rogue One, I mean, Chopper, and, yeah, and BB-8 is, I think, BB-8. the undisputed star of the new trilogy, if we're going to yeah, be Of course. Here. Happy beeps, man. Happy yeah. beeps. He Bad loves his beeps. gay dads. Exactly. <laughs> He's just a scrappy young lad who loves his gay dads. <laughs> He's a scrappy young dad who loves his gay dads. <laughs> He's a good little boy, BB-8. He's a good little boy. All right, so we have a second question from Ravenclaw Pride 16, which is if you could change any plot arc or thing that happened in Once Upon a Time, either change the outcome or make it not happen at all, what would it be? Um, I'll only speak for seasons one and two to avoid spoilers, <laughs> but I would have the character of Lacey be a properly cursed resident of Storybrooke. Regina would be Rumpel's daughter and Cora's storyline drawn out more with no Greg and Tamara until season three, if at all. Me, I think it would just be so much of what happened to Graham. Just completely remove that assault plot altogether. And instead of having him die as he starts to remember, maybe have Graham get the sneezy treatment. Like his memories get wiped as soon as he remembers. Maybe he's in the hospital or something. I don't know. Just anything better for poor Graham hard agree there's also another plot coming up that would be my other big thing i'd really want changed and it's kind of similar but i'll i'll keep this spoiler free i mean you know you guys you guys touched on much of what i would also agree with but um i'd write august out of the whole damn thing (laughs) no august no time ever never would there have been an august erased from the narrative while I'm at it, I'd get rid of all the weird casual racism and blatant misogyny because, hey, fuck that. I think most of the other big changes I'd make aren't until later in the show. So I don't want to spoil them. But I think my big one would be no August <laughs> ever. Maybe we'll come back to this question each wrap up. <laughs> Noah agrees with me. No August, <laughs> Noah. Yeah, you're gonna stop. Okay. He was trilling. It's like, yeah, hate that guy. He was like, yeah, fuck August. <laughs> Tell him, mom. <laughs> All right. So, our next question comes from Violet November via Instagram. Who has your favorite character outfit redesign? The one outfit that keeps jumping out to me is Red. Like, her Enchanted Forest outfit is so intricate and stunning. Like, Eduardo really outdid himself with that one. It's just, it's gorgeous. I also love Mulan's. It's not like I was unhappy with her animated outfits. I thought they were fine. And I can't speak, obviously, to the accuracy of the Once Upon a Time outfit. I just, I just love its badassery. I like its functionality. And that when he does design adventuring outfits for women like Mulan and Belle, they're actually like fairly functional. 
Like they're not like, here's your sculpted titties. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I will give the man. He does, he does cute traveling outfits for girls. Yeah. That, that aren't, yeah. Here's, here's some cups for your boobs. Yeah. Oh, and bandit snow. I did. Yeah. yeah. I like bandit snow's outfits. Great. And half that shit came from her, her personal fucking like equestrian wear or something. I love the look of snow in once upon a time. I love her more princely looks. They're just these top tier design choices in my eyes. Like the standouts are the white one. We just talked about a lot already uh, in the Lady of the Lake. And there's also a cream brown one. I think we get it in next season is the first time we get it. They're so good. They look so good. And and everything you just said, Chell, like it's just not typically what you would see for fantasy garb for women in a show. And, and it is very standout to me. I do really love those aspects of Eduardo's designs. So... I do want to preface by saying this isn't saying I don't like the original costumes of these characters because I'm going to be a dead horse and also say Snow White. And we all know that I love the Disney version of Snow White. It's like one of the things I've dressed up as the most. But the White Lady of the Lake look, fuck it. It's great. It's my favorite. And I've talked about this one too, but Aurora's dress, because I just, I love that they did make it pink, make it blue in a dress. I thought that was clever Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and I would wear it. But I also love original Auroras, so this is not me saying I think these are better. I just think they're really cool. Yeah. These first few seasons, they take a lot of chances with the outfit redesigns. Mm-hmm. I love that because I think later on we get some things that are a little too close to the originals. There are definitely yeah, there are definitely two characters I can think of right off the top of my head that when they get introduced, their outfits are almost just direct screen interpretations of the artwork from the Disney movie they came from. Yeah. Like no chance is taken with them. And it's a shame too, because I think all three of those characters, they actually do very interesting things with those characters, mm-hmm. which we'll we'll see. Um, they definitely gave up on their whole like we're trying costumes. to give our own spin on the costumes and our own interpretation. He was probably not given leeway. Yeah, probably not. It was I mean, such I a hot property. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, no, you can't change their looks. This is what they have to look like. But it's a little jarring that you go from like all these like original interpretations to like being in the same room with what basically look like the face characters from Disneyland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been cool if they had done interpretations. From Care Hewitt via Instagram. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Even though she already knows the answer to this, which I love. She just wanted to give us content. No, she's great. I love her. How did Elisa and Lynn meet? Well, we first met at Anime Expo in 2001 as baby teenagers um, when I took a picture of Lynn in her costume. And then we met again one year later at Anime Expo 2002, where we took photos together on a street corner. (laughs) And (laughs) we were... That sounds more so salacious than it really was. It was just the middle of the afternoon. It was the uh, middle of the afternoon and it was in Long Beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were then convention friends for many years until college. And we both went to the same school in San Francisco. And uh, when she moved up, I offered to show her the ropes and we became much better friends at that point. And then eventually we became roommates after a few <gasps> years. And they then... were roommates. <laughs> oh my God, they oh were God. roommates. And if you don't think that that line is not inserted into their official ceremony, you all have another thing coming because <laughs> I am absolutely going to say that. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'd be disappointed if you didn't. Then a few years after that, we officially got together. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it. I think the only thing you're leaving out is that we were dressed as the same character 
character at the anime convention we met at. That's true. And also, when she says a few years, it literally took us like 12 years to actually get our That's show. why I laughed so maniacally. Cause yeah, because like, I'm like, a few years. It took over a decade, but okay. <laughs> all right. So from watching Once Upon a Time, has it caused you to seek out other series where these actors have appeared? Not yet. I do want to check out Stargate Universe for Bobby. I have to first watch Stargate. <laughs> I haven't watched any Stargate at all. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> me Yeah, I want to. Yeah, still okay. See I saw the movie. the movie. I've never I seen the movie, so I still got to see the movie, and then I want to watch Stargate Universe for him. And I do occasionally watch Jared Gilmore stream on Twitch, and he's very entertaining. Um, what does he you, stream? Video games. Genshin Impact. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's gonna. I think he's starting Genshin Impact, right? I mean, all the kids these days are starting all the kids Genshin are Impact. <laughs> is what, yeah, that's what I gather. Otherwise, no, like, um, I know Lana's in Why Women Kill season two. It's supposed um, to be good. It's supposed to be yeah. really good. I've never, like, seeked anyone's projects out. And I, I feel like I should really go and do that. So maybe that's something I gotta do. Yeah, I, I haven't. I did the opposite, which I know this got told forever ago. But Sebastian Stan was what called me back to Once Upon a Time after I rage quit when Graham died. Yeah. Yeah, I will say I, I got interested in Once Upon a Time because of certain actors. Yeah. Um, because oh, yeah. I knew that um, Emily DeRavin was going to be in it. I loved her in Beastmaster and then Lost because I watched Lost because of her. And and I knew that this was like a Lost adjacent project, as in like a lot of the people who worked on Lost created this. Yeah, that was me too. I started watching because of uh, Jennifer Goodwin. What I did you have seen her in before? He's just not that into you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was not a good movie, but I thought she was so cute in it. Because I had seen her in Big Love beforehand. I remember them showing the trailers for like Once Upon a Time and like the 20, you know, before movies start mm -hmm. going like, oh, it's the cute girl from He's Just Not That Into You mm. and like wanting to watch it. And then I really like Josh Dallas from the first Thor movie as yes. Fandrill because I thought he had he such like uh, Carrie Elwell's energy. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I love him. Oh, it's them. That's so cute. So that was kind of like why I wanted to watch it at first. Nice. I did love him in Thor. He was very cute in Thor. Lay down, Kermit. Very cute in Thor. Kermit had an opinion. The cats are having the opinions right now. It is, it is cat opinion o'clock. <laughs> All right. So our next question is, how did you come up with the idea to do the podcast? So in early December 2020, I think, maybe late November, I had a dream. Like a literal dream about Rumbell out of nowhere, complete nowhere. I had not thought about the show in years, at least half a decade. It was so random, but it lit a fire under my ass. And I was suddenly super obsessed with Rumble. So I started to rewatch the show and I kept having these like fambles this is what I call it. It's like fan and rambles and I needed an outlet, but it couldn't be just me because that'd be like an echo chamber of crazy. And I knew that like, I need other people, especially people who have different favorite characters, different, you know, POV. So that way it pushes me to think critically. I'm not just consuming what I want to consume, you know? So I recruited the two friends I knew who actually enjoyed the show relatively enough to possibly join me down this path. I was like, hey, you guys like Once Upon a Time. And they were like, we we do like Once Upon a Time. We never finished it, but yeah, we did it. And I was like, you guys cosplayed it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I go, you want to start a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, uh, 
hey, it's a pandemic. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we like, got a lot going on right now. <laughs> exactly. It seemed fun to create something. And with the like the friggin' global pandemic keeping us from a lot, just so much, keeping us from so much. It just seemed cool to try and make something. I knew that like also Elise, so Elisa has this history of creating films. She was always this wonderful little independent filmmaker when she was younger. And so I saw a lot of like her early stuff and you went to school for editing, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I went to school for editing. So mostly video editing. And I was like, and I was thinking in my head, you know, I was like, I wonder if she would be down for some audio editing because <laughs> I hate, I hate audio editing with a burning passion, <laughs> which is why a lot of the times you don't get the fireside fairy tales as often as I would like them to come out is because I'm the one who edits them and it's fine. It really is. It's just that, you know, I'm just like fucking editing. <laughs> um, and if it's just me, that's fine. But like with like multiple voices and such, it's, it's much harder. And I knew if Elisa wasn't down to edit, I'd be like, all right, we'll just fucking shove the project. <laughs> Cause I was just like, I can't do it. I can do all the writing. I could do the scheduling. I could do everything else. Just don't make me fucking edit. But Thankfully, Elisa was yearning for a creative outlet. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of just said, okay, and then metaphorically showed up. <laughs> that was my contribution. I, I, I showed up. You do I'm bring here. the funny, Lynn. You bring you the do. funny. Do I? Yes. You bring the funny. Oh, thank you. You, you bring the zingers. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I do my best. So should we talk a little bit about what the podcast process is like? So first, I start with a bare bones outline. I use the same sort of template, I guess you could say, for each document. Each episode has its own Google Doc. And once the template is kind of ready to go, so every episode is color-coded. Our notes are color-coded. I'm purple, Lynn is pink, and Elisa is green. So at the top, you always know who's narrating by the color. And then I usually get a I get like a skeleton synopsis, usually pulled from the Once Upon a Time wiki. But I cannot just rely on that. Like I found that out very quickly that like some people just, they don't fact check. So I go through the episode and there's like a lot of pausing. Subtitles are definitely on. There's a lot of rewinding, a lot of pausing, <laughs> a lot of rereading, fact checking. There's a lot of rewording going on as well. And if I have time, I'll go back to add my commentary by doing another rewatch. I prefer to do another rewatch. If it is a painful episode though, like Selfless, Brave and True, I will not. <laughs> I will just add my commentary as I like fill this in. And then that's all done. And then usually it's time for Elisa and Lynn. Like I just tell them like, hey, you know, the document's ready for you guys to add your commentary. They do that. You know, we have a record day, typically Monday, Sunday nights. And a lot of times while well, you get like a lot more of my commentary is because I'm a little spoiled that since I'm the one writing it, I get like kind of the first dibs on commentary mm -hmm. and then they write theirs. And then I go back in like an, like an asshole <laughs> and I write commentary under theirs. <laughs> so because then I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Or no, I disagree. Or mm, well, actually. <laughs> you have um actually me. <laughs> I, you have un um actually me. Yeah. In retaliation. Yeah. In retaliation. <laughs> no, you corrected me with Little Snow's um dress. 
yeah, I did. <laughs> but as I you specifically, should. I specifically as you said, um, actually. You did. Um, actually, child. Um, actually. And sometimes we get into like little wordy snip, snippy snips in the, in our thing and it's all in good fun and it's hilarious and we crack each other up. So, and then we record and then it's in Elisa and God's hands. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes I've got, you know, able to carve out a couple hours each day to work on it. And sometimes I'm up till 4 a.m. on Saturday morning. And that's just how this goes. Yeah. I work full time. Yeah, sometimes say, more than full time. And mm-hmm. uh, at least it's uh, yeah. got a big wig job. So <laughs> like if I honest to God, like if I had any sort of editing skills, I'd probably have to do the editing as well because I'm the one with like much more free time. I do the graphics that you see, the promo graphics while uh, Elisa takes care of the audio previews as she is usually, she pulls like a line or a bit that sort of encapsulates or captures the spirit of that episode. Yeah, I pull that while I'm editing. And she's usually editing the episode that is about to go out as I am writing the next episode. Previews go out Saturday, Sundays they drop. I started coming up with the idea to make polls because there was just too much hilarity <laughs> going on. I, th- I think maybe the, the fucking pepper flakes started it. <laughs> I think that is what started I think, it. I think, I think so the pepper flakes out. is really what started it. Because <laughs> it was such a, it's such a fucking running, like it's as much of a running gag as, oh no, the beans. <laughs> so like it is a running gag among us. Anyway, that's the process. Okay. Um, our next question is from Miss Random Mo via Instagram. Which fur baby would be which character and why? I thought about this for a long time and I decided Merlin is Astrid because she is very, very clumsy too and also very cute. And I also think Merlin would love Leroy. So she's definitely Astrid. Salem is somewhere between Emma and Henry. Because Henry, because the cleverest and best boy ever, and just too cute. And also Emma, because he is definitely the badass protagonist of the story who protects his family. Noah is Anton, because he's real big, but also very soft and gentle, and just wants kind things, and for people to be gentle with him. No, that's so sweet. (laughs) He's my gentle giant. Otis is Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's adorable and small and chaos incarnate. Like just when I think he is sweet and he's redeemed himself enough to turn my back, he's on the fucking countertop licking my cast iron pan or chewing on the corner of a plastic bag like a rabid goblin. (laughs) Kermit is a big dumb himbo who just wants cuddles and the occasional smackdown with Otis. So I'm going to have to say charming (laughs) (laughs) because they will just antagonize each other deliberately. But then they'll also like pretend that they're not best buddies as well they have like like a little love-hate relationship going on also we have an honorary podcast cat named little cat he's my next door neighbor's cat and he likes to visit me and he likes to hang out with me outside when i'm sunbathing he sometimes makes special guest appearances at my apartment as he did today he came running down the hall excitedly as i came home and he wanted to come inside and and hang out for a couple of minutes which he did and my cats are just like hi <laughs> So he also tries to get along with everyone. So he's definitely Archie. Little Cat is definitely Archie. 
Oh, that was a cute question. It was mm-hmm. so cute. All right. So this one is from Snowing Fairy Tale on Tumblr. I wanted to know which arc and character that you've heard of, but never got far enough to see that you are most looking forward to. That's an excellent fucking question. I'm interested to see what they do with the Merlin characters, because I, I definitely never got that far. And while season seven is notorious in the fandom, um, I'm very much looking forward to our new hella gay Alice. So I'm just like, Alice, Alice. So. <laughs> it does sound fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And her like Hyperion Heights name is Tilly. Like, I mean, fucking like, oh, Jesus Christ. She's so adorable. She's That's so, so cute. She's so fucking cute. Like, <laughs> just can't wait to meet her. Yeah. We got as far as almost the end of season five. I got to almost the end of season five. And I've actually heard very little about season six. So season six is like a big old mystery to me. Season seven, I've heard a lot more chatter about, which is very mixed chatter. But I am also very excited about Alice and also her love that she has. I think I've seen cute things for them. So I'm I'm excited about that. I am tentatively hopeful for later seasons just because like Lewis Black with the candy corn. I really hope that the second time around they actually do Rapunzel better. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to do it better than they did it. But I'm hoping. I don't mm. know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I know technically no we haven't gotten there yet, but it's it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. they do with Rapunzel, it's it's nothing. nothing so they have episode. nowhere to go. She's pretty. Up. She's beautiful, but they just like choose to just do nothing with her at all. She's no. horribly underutilized. And it's like, why did you even bother bringing Rapunzel into this if that's all you were going to do so I'm I'm tentatively hopeful for the redo of Rapunzel god willing I feel (laughs) like they have nowhere to go but up yeah yeah all right so our next one which I think is also from Snowing Fairy Tale it is which is have you seen Once Upon a Time in Wonderland I have not previews made it look like a CGI hellfire that would give me migraines so I never gave it a shot I have heard retroactively that it's worth a watch, though, so I'm not opposed to it. I watched about the first half. I watched it with Lynn when it first aired. We fell behind and never caught up, Uh, but I love Michael Socha. I had loved him from the UK being human, so I was very, very excited about him being in it. Loved him as the knave of hearts. So more Michael Socha is is enough to get me to finish it one day. I, I would like to finish it one day. I was so thrilled when he showed up uh, again on Once Upon a Time proper. So I'm glad that wasn't the only time we saw that character because I love him in his sad eyes. So he's the one that like when she whispers or whatever, he's the one who's like talking in Once Upon a Time? No. 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 He's Will Scarlet. Oh. 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 Okay. Oh. But he was going by the name of parts, but he's also Will Scarlet. Oh. Oh, right. He comes later right right, right. later yeah 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 i'm like i'm like all hung up on like these cora episodes when we see okay yeah no no he's later he's later yeah i i watched as much as elisa because we watched it together and i will be honest i remember nothing besides michael socha's cute puppy dog eyes i couldn't tell you a damn thing about it lynn the only other thing i remember about it is uh jafar because jafar was saeed from lost (gasps) oh yeah and i love saeed yeah i I didn't Uh. remember that Naveen Andrews? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love him. Smoking. What fairy tale or fairy tale character would you like to have seen in Once Upon a Time? Baba Yaga! 
chicken foot house, chicken foot house, chicken foot house. I'm going to have to agree with Lynn on this one. Baba Yaga and more Slavic creatures. Hell They're yeah. Wild. They're fucking Hell wild. Yeah. I love Slavic fairy tales. They are nuts. They're bizarro. <laughs> and yeah, get a Leshy in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leshy of the Enchanted Forest. Ugh, that'd be awesome. Hell yeah. To feel like after our last hangout, I want to say, put Karasu in it. Oh. <laughs> what? K- who? Huh? I showed you the TikTok. What? <laughs> Why does every boring person on Tinder oh, yes. say they like going on yes. adventures? <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, and Dr. Terminus. <laughs> <laughs> you Thinking love about- him. Do you know how much I love that man? That's I Alan Dale. That is Alan Dale, and I fucking love him. It's Jim Dale. Jim Dale. Not Alan Dale. Alan Dale is it's King George. It's Caleb from the OC. Passamawadi. Passamaquani Passama. I love every little piece. It is like one of the best Disney villain songs. It's a pretty ever. It's a bop. It's a it bop. Is so catchy. Um, mine would be the Wild Swans. It is my favorite Hans Christian Andersen tale. When I was a kid, it may or may not be because the main character's name is Elisa, and it's the only time I've ever seen my name in media. But I really, I really love the Wild Swans. I also think Thumbelina would have been fun. But it likely would have been a CG nightmare. Yeah. Can you imagine? So yeah. I'm glad they didn't actually try it. Like they can't even make people's feet touch the floor. How would they navigate a tiny woman who fits in the palm of your hand? It would have been reverse, <laughs> reverse uh, tiny. God, that's yeah. so bad. Yeah. What fairy tale or fairy tale character would you have liked to have seen done better in Once Upon a Time? All of Oz do it right or don't fuck with it at all for characters we've seen gus gus and all of cinderella and hansel and gretel oh uh, yeah we aren't there yet but rapunzel as i've discussed also cinderella like chel said because i don't know what that was no i don't either <laughs> That's my only, only their biggest fucking ip <laughs> like yeah, down the toilet i just like oh boy and um, my memory is super foggy, but I remember them really not doing a great job with The Little Mermaid either. I feel like I remember a lot of her autonomy being boiled down to just, ooh, I gotta get the boy, which is not the point. Right, and I remember her being cast really well, because I remember- Oh, she's like, beautiful. Ariel she's beautiful. herself is like, like, she is my favorite iteration of Ariel, but like- She's, she's absolutely gorgeous, but they like, they took- they took out like for a show that is so much being like we're not so much doing the original fairy tale as we're doing the Disney versions of it. Mm-hmm. They took out all the like her because honestly, okay, in Disney's The Little Mermaid, yes, she does meet Eric, but Eric is more almost a vehicle to getting her what she wants. She already was curious about the human world. She already wanted to learn shit and get her ass up there. Mm-hmm. The fact that he comes along is kind of just like a happy coincidence. Yeah. She already wanted all these things. Once Upon a Time really just boils it down to like, it's just the boy. Have to give up everything for the boy. The boy. My God, the boy. And there's not just her like natural curiosity and cleverness and autonomy. Yeah, I don't quite remember, but I feel like that sounds right. I think she had a cute friendship with Snow. She did. Like there's, I, if I remember. Her and Belle too. Yeah, if I remember, there's like a pretty cute ball scene with yeah, them. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh. Like they're all in pretty ball gowns being very cute. 
if I remember correctly, like it's very hazy because it's 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 in the part of the show that we I only watched it once. Yeah. Only watched once, and I think was his background. But I do remember just being like, "Oh, that's really all you're gonna do with her?" Okay. I remember wanting more. Yeah, from I just. Ariel. Yeah, I felt like they were like, "Here she is." I was like, "Oh shit, yay, Ariel's here!" And then they were like, "Okay, now she's going away." And I was like, "Wait, what? Really? Really? That was it?" Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. You only get her a few times. She's she's very underutilized. Yeah, for me, um, Cinderella and Rapunzel. I know they both are done again in season seven. I have heard that. So maybe it's better this time. I have no idea. We might be wild cards. We might love season seven. Who knows? Anything goes, guys. Anything goes. We might all love season seven. Season seven's the wild west for us. We know nothing about it. Nothing. (laughs) Other than, didn't they recast Henry? There's an adult version of Henry. There is a older version of Henry. But Derek Gilmore is still on it because I think there's like flashbacks and things like that. So they're both playing Henry. Yep, is what I understand. Yeah, because Jared is only like eighteen, because he's like going in like his senior year of of high school in the flashbacks of season seven. Okay, I just remember hearing like and new Henry, and I was like, new Henry, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but I have. Where's my boy? You bring him back? No, no, no. Jared's there. Jared's there. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do know it's both of them because I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of things on the Instagram since we follow so many uh, once upon a time thingies. actors and mm-hmm. fans. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to know is what was your involvement, if any, in the Once Upon a Time fandom before this podcast? So we started this podcast in February of 2021, and my involvement came from just reading a fuck ton, a metric fuck ton of Rumble Fic all the live long day for two months previous to us starting this. Otherwise, zero zero involvement whatsoever <laughs> um dear god back in the day i made two snow white cosplays which costumes um so i made her her tan and white like adventuring outfit that i think is next season and i made her white ball gown from uh, it's in season one it's one of the earlier episodes it's it's in the really cringe scene where like her and Regina are both like dressed in white. Oh, it's Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. Yes, I know she wears it again, but the first time you see it is in Fruit of the Poisonous Tree where it's just like, look at my wife and my daughter that I've dressed identically. (laughs) (laughs) Are they both so pretty? (laughs) Look at my beautiful daughter. This is where I collect my pretty women. (laughs) Pretty women. Cue Sweeney Todd. Yeah, pretty women. (laughs) Those are the two snows I did. And when I was in the white ball count, I actually ran into a charming who was very sweet. Aww. I have really old ass pictures of him and I never found him on social. No, he found me on, he found me yeah. on Tumblr. Yeah. It was cute. He found me on Tumblr because then we had like an, I found you. I'll always find you moment. It was Aww. very, it was, it was sweet. It was a million years ago, but it was sweet. Other than that, fandom wise, I largely kept to myself other than just like for blogging, lots of snowing and hatter on my Tumblr when the show was still airing. Mm-hmm. That was kind of it. I just made costumes and looked at pictures. Yeah, I did a Regina costume back in the day. I did a True North. Why do good costumes happen to bad episodes? <laughs> yeah. I know some of the best costumes are in some of the shittiest episodes, as we've discussed with Lady in the Lake. Yeah. I, I made some fan mixes, though, back in the day. I I was a fan mixer. I still do it casually every so often, mainly for original stuff now. But I made one hatter, so one for Jefferson. Ooh. for me yeah and i made um one snow and charming it was very romantic based around seasons one and two 
was also for me. <laughs> I also made an Emma and Killian mix based on the first half of season five. Very spoilerific. It was also for me. So yeah, I can send links to Chell to reblog them on Tumblr after this. Oh, if please If anyone's do. interested. Um, I don't give a shit if they are interested. I want to reblog them. If Chell's yeah. interested. And the, you know, the music is still there hosted on uh, my uh, server that me and Lynn's both, both our fan mixes are hosted on still. So that's still downloadable. Um, they still exist and they still exist on eight tracks if you are not in the u.s yeah you just can't play them if you live in the same country as us <laughs> who made them yeah thanks eight tracks thanks eight tracks god i miss eight tracks oh i miss eight tracks with every day that passes and every so often i get an email that's like so and so liked your mix on eight tracks i'm like i'm glad this person who lives far far away from me enjoys what i put together because i cannot <laughs> Miss you, A-Tracks. Miss you, A-Tracks. Come back. All right, spoiler zone, in which we discuss season three. Woo! <sighs> I love Robbie Kay as Peter Pan, and I can't wait to watch him again. Ah, uh, he's so, he's so good. He's so good. So good. We also get to meet my second favorite Tinkerbell ever. Which that's still a high compliment considering how much in, like into Peter Pan I am. She's amazing. A very well cast Ariel. And then it all comes crashing down like a house on a witch. As my nightmare begins with Zelina, I will rely on my friends, my Tumblr crew, and some strong alcohol to get me through. I was gonna say and scotch. <laughs> and some very strong drink to get me through. That's all I have to say about season three and what I'm looking forward to. So me, yeah, I, I love the Neverland arc. I don't love everything about it, but overall, it might be my favorite Once Upon a Time arc. We'll see how that holds up. Peter Pan is terrifying, and it's great. I love it. I also really love this Tinkerbell. Um, I remember low-key shipping Tinkerbell and Regina. Oh. So I'm looking forward to if that ship holds up, because I was like, do I ship this? I think I kind of ship this. <laughs> I also love that we, we get more Neil. Um, we get a softer hook. We get to learn more about Killian. We get a lot of reluctant teamwork, which I really enjoy this like reluctant teamwork dynamic mm -hmm. of Neverland. And like going to season two, I was like, oh yeah, we get that. And then I was like, oh no, wait, no, that doesn't come till season three, but it's great in season three. I, I really enjoy it. There's a great parallel in the mid-season uh, finale of season three. Parallels really beautifully to the season one finale. Such a good moment. For the second half of the season, I'm not the biggest fan of the Oz arc. I'm going to rewatch with an open mind because I honestly don't remember it too much. But Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> but I, they <laughs> I support you on this journey. I'm, I'm watching it with an open mind, but they repeat some of the yucky assault plots with Selena and it, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. And that's one of the only things I really remember about this arc. I also hate Emma's Beyonce flying monkey reveal. I just have to say that. I did not like it. I did not like it. Poor Emma did not deserve that. That grossness. Why? Why did that plot exist? Following the how good Neverland is. And then like, that's one of the first things that happens. You're like, what? 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 But I do remember Hook and Emma being very sweet in the second half of season three. Um, I remember really liking Dorothy. I do really like Sean McGuire as a very soft Robin Hood. Even though I miss Tom Ellis. I do miss Tom Ellis because I love Tom Ellis, but I do I do really like Sean McGuire as well. So season three is a mixed bag. 
Um, but the first half I'm very pumped about because I really, really remember liking Neverland and we, you know, started it a little bit and I was like, oh, right. Yeah, this is good. This is good. And then I also remember, I really like the final few episodes of season three. Um, I'm really excited for Emma and Killian's Back to the Future adventures. I remember those are very fun. Some of the odd stuff. <laughs> open mind, open mind. I'm going into it with an open mind. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> so while I've alluded to not loving the twist that it results in, I love weirdo serial killer Peter Pan. I love him. He's so absolutely good. chef's kiss. We also, if I remember right, get really hella badass Tinkerbell this season. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember her being badass as hell and being very about it. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. She's she's tough, and I love her. A lot of Oz I was not into, like everyone else here, but at least it gave us Dorothy, who I did love, and also laid the groundwork for Ruby Slippers, which is a fucking good ship with a cute nickname. <laughs> but... Like it's mentioned before, it does fall back on some of its less good tropes that it just needs to stop with, and I am not excited for those. But I will also be 100% transparent with y'all. I have forgotten a lot of the Oz arc, probably out of self-preservation. Yeah, we yeah. watched Oz's background. With the, like, the monkey thing happened, and we were just like, uh, yeah, like oh, God, now. is this what we're doing? Is this the, what this show has become? <laughs> it was the first chunk of the show that we did not like sit down and like watch with our dinner like it's the first chunk that we're like all right it's gonna be on while i'm sewing cosplay yeah all right i think that's it is that everything we had to talk about i think so i think so well thank you so much everyone for listening like we love it we love it when you interact with us on social media it really like lifts our day um especially also when you guys leave us messages on spotify and anchor fm so keep keep at it I don't know. I just, I'm really super grateful to the fandom for uh, hanging in there with us and joining us on this uh, really insane ride that we decided to take together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. It's really nice and for interacting and, and caring. It is a lot of work to do this and yeah. it's fun to do it, but it is a lot of work too. And uh, yeah. It's nice I, to know we're not just shouting into the void. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad people are having fun listening to it. And, and you know, <laughs> not just our moms and our best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I love you, mom. I love Thank you, Ariana. You. Thank, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Even though Ariana and my friend Iceland, you guys have, will never, ever sit down and watch a single episode of this show. I know you won't. So, no, but they're here to support us. But they're here to support us and they love the show through our eyes. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Once Upon a Rewatch is going to take a hiatus. We will return with season three on Sunday, May 1st, 2022. By then, Lynn and Elisa will be married, also on their honeymoon. (laughs) I will be with the... uh, With With our babies. With With your babies. babies. I will be with their... I'm going to abandon my babies to be with their babies. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes, your kid cats. And also... That will be Elisa's birthday. She is our May queen. So, yay. Yeah, her birthday is two days after we get married. Yeah. So she will never, ever forget your anniversary. So there you go. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Before we're back for season three, the feed won't be completely empty. Look out for one of these weeks. We're going to spring another Fireside Fairy Tales on you as well as a small trailer for season three. 
Tumblr will still be active. Instagram should still be a bit active in our stories mostly, but yeah, Tumblr, Tumblr will definitely still be active. I'm still here. Thank you everyone for sticking with us through season two. I hope you are all looking forward to season three as much as we are. See you next time. See you next okay. time. See you next season. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we appreciate you. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Our artwork for the podcast was done by Laichi Ruru. That's L-A-I-C-H-I-R-U-R-U at twitter.com. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. I am the loud one. I'm the annoying one. You're the annoying what? one. I think Lynn's is the grouchy one. <laughs> it's like she's just so fucking over whatever bullshit is going on. <laughs> in this, I in, feel in, like in, I'm in usually the... not, but once upon a time brings that out in me. Because oh, yeah, I just no, no, no. Get so exasperated Rated. with the yeah. show. Yeah, there you go. You're the exasperated one. This and then Elisa, you're the glass half full one. <laughs> I try to make sense of everything I see. Except for when you're just sitting there being like, oh no, and judging me and chill. But we're the judgy ones on the show, and Elise is the one who's judging us. Yeah, but she judges us. Yeah. yeah. And the she show doesn't us. have feelings. I do. 